You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore. And uh, Jackson, uh, not exactly the way we wanted the Bulldogs to end their uh, their season on a three-game losing streak. Uh, but not only did they lose the third game in a row, but they did it in spectacular fashion, giving up <laughs> even more run uh, running yards. Uh, is this... Is this even going to be a problem? Is this going to be a major problem heading into a possible bowl game now? You hope they get healthier at least. <laughs> I mean, if you got two, three weeks to get ready and prepared, and if you have Gabriel Lightfoot and Johnny Hudson both close to 100%, I mean, that should make for a better run defense in itself. You know, if you get some of the other guys a little bit healthier, maybe, but I think it's less now. I mean, you look at it about personnel and injuries and health and how, how motivated is this team going to be? You know, the San Diego state game didn't mean a whole lot on the record outside of getting that oil can trophy and maybe keeping a 10 win chance alive, but they knew that they were out of conference contention and they kind of looked like it throughout that game. And so, you know, can they rally the troops and can they be a team that is the more motivated team in their bowl game? Or are they going to face someone that's going to be, more interested to be there. That's typically how these bowl games go. And right now, Fresno State just, I mean, between the injuries, the execution, and the motivation, it's hard to put too much stock in the dogs going into that bowl game. Well, right now, the Bulldogs are looking like a uh, like a team that is kind of lost. Uh, and I mean, they offensively, they have not been able to, to get things going for the third week in a row. Uh, defensively, they've been given up uh, over 300 yards now for the third game in a row uh, against the running game. So this is now a spot where it's uh, it's very concerning. Um, I mean, you almost have to wonder, has Tedford lost this team at this point in the season? Uh, when we talk to Tedford, he keeps saying they're practicing hard. They're, you know, the motivation and the preparedness that's what he keeps saying you ask him you know what did you see here did there's something that you kind of thought that this was going to happen on saturday and he said no we prepared all week very well we were ready you know it's just then it's kind of a head scratcher to explain exactly <laughs> how it went down on a saturday so um, i don't think he's necessarily lost the team but i think the team has lost its confidence and i think that's what was most evident to me at san diego state i was kind of roaming the sidelines taking pictures all game long and you could just see, you know, when something went wrong, the whole sideline deflated. And when something went right, it didn't last very long. <laughs> Momentum faded away pretty quickly. And, uh, I mean, they just seemed like a team that could not find the confidence or the momentum to really get much going for more than a, a, a moment or two. And, uh, I mean, that's something I think is going to kind of hang over them for a few weeks here. Yeah, I mean that we haven't seen much energy come out of this team ever since the Boise State game ended. Um, now, granted, I think a couple of key people went down during that game, but the Bulldogs have not been the same since. Um, and uh, it, it, you can point fingers at just 
injuries really hurting this team. But honestly, I, I didn't think the injuries were that bad to affect the Bulldogs this this much, but it, apparently they are. Yeah, the, the hard part is that all, all the injuries, the main ones that we're aware of, at least the guys that are missing time, are all in the, in the trenches. And that's kind of a tough one to quantify, you know, if your quarterback's out, it's very obvious to see how that impacts a team, which they did miss Mikey Keene for some time, and he wasn't 100% at San Diego State either. If you're missing a running back or a receiver or a cornerback, those kinds of things are obvious. But, you know, when the the, the offensive line and defensive line is such a, a team effort, it's hard to pinpoint one player being out. But they missed quite a few guys. Jacob Spomer, the starting left tackle, I mean, losing him was disastrous for this team. Um, Mose Vavao, if you didn't notice, only made it 11 snaps at San Diego State before he had to come out. So, I mean, now you're down your two best offensive linemen for the rest of that San Diego State game. Um, Gabriel Lightfoot missing the last three games has been rough. Uh, Jacob or Johnny Hudson has not been 100% at tackle either. Um, Jacob Holmes had to exit the game against San Diego State. So, I mean, about 50% of the offensive and defensive lines were, were not available or very injured by the end of that San Diego State game. So, I mean, that does kind of start to add up, but it doesn't explain why the team emotionally looked the way that they did either. Yeah, they look like a deflated team, like someone uh, stole their their uh, their puppy, uh, and they they've been they've been sad for a while now, trying to figure out where it went. And it, for now, it just seems like this team is uh, pretty much defeated itself before the game has even started, and that's not going to be uh, bode well for the Bulldogs, especially as we're on the cusp of finding out ex- uh, exactly where the Bulldogs are going to be going bowling. We do know they're not going to Hawaii. That's one thing that's been confirmed. San Jose State is headed to the Hawaii Bowl, so that that pretty much takes that that um, portion of the equation out of the picture. Bulldogs will now not have to travel to the islands, which is a good thing um, if you're looking at bowl uh, status uh, and in the ability for fans to to travel somewhere. Uh, but um, if they can't seem to get themselves in a better mindset, they're just going to struggle uh, at whatever bowl they go to against whatever opponent they have, uh, regardless of where they go. It's it's going to be a problem unless they can get things turned around mentally. And right now, I think they're they're at a point where they're struggling mentally uh, as long uh, along with their physicality they're they're struggling as well so this is going to be it's going to be a rough one jackson for the next uh, couple of weeks trying to get ready for a bowl game um and uh hopefully they can get some of these players healthy before the bowl game happens but if they can't they need to figure something out yeah and uh, it looks like they've kind of tried everything these last two weeks. <laughs> and I, I don't know what else there is to do. Um, I mean, you just kind of cross your fingers that the team's a bit healthier in a couple of weeks and that they shake off some of this stuff that's been going on. I mean, they got right back to practice this week and it's been closed to us. So there's not much we can share about it, but uh, they haven't been taking quite the same time off that they have in the past. You know, normally uh, you think about the past Bulldog bowl games and, couple of years they've been in the conference championship and then there's like one week and then it's bowl week and yeah you, know, you need some time to rest and some time to recruit so there's a lot of time for this team to practice together and kind of sort this stuff out and you know we'll see if they can get it together in time for a bowl game because you know, it's just been 
across the board rough the last three weeks, especially the last two against two opponents you figured they could beat even on their like D effort. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, they still didn't get it done. Well, I, I this this uh, the way the season has panned out kind of reminds me of uh, of the season when we were down to like our fourth and fifth quarterback, where <laughs> the injury bugs just kept going across the whole team. Almost the same thing. However, we we still have our our starting quarterback. Well, at least fifty percent of the time. <laughs> um, but uh, now with the 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 loss of the backup quarterback as well, and five heading to the transfer portal, which we'll talk more about later, uh, that now changes things uh, for the quarterback position. Because if 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 he goes down now, uh, who do you have at backup? Someone who's never played a snap before. <laughs> so things things are going to get interesting here. Um, but one thing I do know, Fresno State going into next season, their high priority, I, I mean, it's got to be probably offensive and defensive lines, Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we speak, there's been one portal offer that's gone out so far, and it's been to an offensive lineman. <laughs> so, again, we'll touch on that a little bit later as well. But, I mean, that's top priority and the hard part is it's not easy to get transfer linemen to come into a school like fresno state i mean you see fcs offensive linemen that are pretty good quality guys they're in the portal and they're getting offers from high power five schools like immediately so um i mean ivy leaguers there's a bunch of them in the portal and a bunch of them have high power five offers stanford loves to sweep up all the the ivy league transfers that they can get so I mean, it's it's a tough market, and so you're going to have to find guys that are have other reasons to be here besides NIL money or um, pecking order in college football status. Um, so, you know, guys that are from California, you know, there's not many linemen from Fresno that are playing at other schools, but um, maybe you'll find some from, that are from L.A. or the Bay Area that want to be closer to home. Or, or you find someone that actually wants some playing time. Yeah. I mean, and let's let's face it. That some some guy might have got buried on a uh, on a uh, roster somewhere, and and is actually still a pretty good lineman, because you know you know how, how it works. All these linemen like to go to these big name schools, but when they get there, they're buried on the depth chart, <laughs> and they never see the field. So, and then they try and change their minds and go somewhere else. One has to wonder that we may be able to pick up one or two of these linemen. Uh, by simply the fact that they'll get playing time. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We have the space for them. So why not come over here and and try and get some playing time and and bolster your stock? I mean, there's there's got to be a, a two or three of those guys there. But as far as I'm concerned right now, those are the two biggest needs that Fresno State needs. Uh, they can always reload the special um, positions, but offensive and defensive line has always been a problem for Fresno State. Uh, in the in the past few years and it's going to continue to be until they kind of figure things out a little bit here right yeah the offensive line just it's not been great since 2018 and it <laughs> feels like this is the year it, it finally bit him well 2019 i can go on about that i think <laughs> before hey reina had some capable blockers he, he would be thought of a little bit differently here but um, yeah it wasn't all his fault <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean yeah, this year it bit him. I think Mikey Keene was a different guy back in September than he was the last couple of weekends, um, less confident. I mean, we saw this offense go three and out like three times in a row, uh, three or four times the week before that against New Mexico. Um, I mean, it just looked 
they looked out of sorts. Uh, I mean, and, he looked like he was running for his life this last game. Yeah. I mean. And, you know, he he actually didn't get pressured a whole lot, but when he did, I mean, he, he does a thing where he runs backwards and <laughs> uh, it's, it it's ugly. <laughs> um, like that last play of the game. I was like, where are you going, dude? You're almost in the end zone. Uh, uh, Daniel Tamalolo played at left tackle this week, and he, he fared actually pretty well. Um, but, again, then they lose Mose Bavao, so – there's a lot to worry about there. Again, Keen not only physically hampered with a couple of different things right now, but also it just seems to be kind of mentally distraught back there with the way that the pressure has been coming at him. And you, know, you could see him the first few weeks really handle it well. And as the pressures kept mounting up and the hits kept mounting up, it seems like he's not been able to, to keep his composure back there the same way. He's looking like a deer in the headlights all of a sudden. He's like kind of confused what to do next uh but uh one has to wonder does he really want to stick around for more punishment (laughs) or or does he even have the option to leave if he even wanted to at this point so the layout now which they're abiding to more strictly (laughs) you know we've talked about this before (laughs) where it's been too loosely so now they actually have a little bit of regulation so supposedly the, the basic structure is you can transfer once without sitting out and then you can only transfer again as a graduate transfer. So um, Mikey Keene has been in college for three years. It's possible he could have a degree, um, but unlikely. I don't think he's got any thoughts of leaving. He knows he's going to start here next season. So, um, But then it makes you wonder about 2025 because he's got two more years of eligibility. You know, Is he going to play so well that – some schools with NIL are going to come looking for him as a graduate transfer, or is it going to be even worse with the O-line where he doesn't want to be here for another year? So that's just kind of the reality of, of what college football is right now with the portal. Yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be a little crazy to see, but at least we, we know he's going to be here at least one more year. Now, granted uh, a lot can change from now until then somebody else can come in and challenge him for that position. Um, uh, because let's face it. I mean, he's been good, but he hasn't been stellar. <laughs> um so uh there is room for improvement um i know uh the right now who's going to be the backup is going to be um his name escapes me at the moment um uh, jaden mandel jaden yeah. mandel yes mm-hmm. uh, they're very high on jaden um so um maybe maybe he starts getting a few snaps here and there uh um first teamers in the next two or three weeks just to get him ready uh, just in case, because they're going to need him. (laughs) If Keen goes down in the bowl game, you're screwed. (laughs) You got no one with, with any kind of experience whatsoever. So this is going to be going to be interesting to see what happens. And, and five century to the portal means that he's not on the team now. So they only have Keen and Mandel at quarterback for practice. And then the, uh, freshman walk-on Jack Jacobs. They're the only three healthy quarterbacks on the roster at all right now. And so Mandel at the very least is going to get a lot of second team reps here for the next couple of weeks. As you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets some first team reps and maybe we do see him play a little bit in the bowl game. You know, I mean, now you're in a spot where you either feel like Mandel's going to be a capable number two to Keen next season, or you need to find a capable number two in the portal. Um, so it would be nice to kind of just let him get out there and see how comfortable he looks as a true freshman in that bowl game and figure out if they feel good about him as the backup next season or if they look in the portal and maybe find someone with a little experience that's 
maybe kind of looked over, not quite challenging for a starting job, but would be willing to, to take a backup role. Yeah, uh, this is going to be going to be interesting to see how the uh, Bulldogs are going to uh, work their quarterbacks moving forward, but um, it is going to be something that they're going to need to address. Uh, I mean, as of right now, they're going to need to probably pick up another uh, uh, another scholarship quarterback um, in this new um, draft class uh, and new recruiting class. So they're, that's now going to be a point of emphasis, uh, whether it be them picking up a high schooler or them um, making an offer to uh, someone in the transfer portal. But they're going to need to add at least one more quarterback uh, going into next season. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, Jackson does a hell of a job uh, keeping an eye on all of that. So uh, if you haven't done so already, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you got to go over to the bark board, the premium area. That's where you're going to get all the latest uh, scoop and, and news as far as recruiting or anything related to the Bulldogs. And if you're not a part of that yet, uh, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of a special going on right now, Jackson, <laughs> right? What's going on there? Uh, right now, it's just a dollar for your first month. So hop on in, check out all the off-season coverage. You're going to get all the scoop on this portal stuff going on here. <laughs> We've got a running thread of virtually every player that's in the portal that is of interest to Fresno State as a potential target and the scoop on what's going on with players going out, um, whether it's going to be any more than Logan Fife and <laughs> who else might be leaving. The, the portal doesn't actually open till the 4th of December. Um, right now it's just open to graduate transfers and players who have teams that their coaches have changed. So there's been like a couple hundred players hit the portal already, even though it's not open yet. And, you know, Logan Fife is one of those guys since he has his degree, he could leave early and, and get in the portal. And, you know, it's hard to blame him for making that decision as well. It's very clear. Uh, he's uh, quite a bit behind Mikey Keene and he's only going to get in if it's going to be related to injury and, they both have the exact same eligibility remaining since uh, Fife was a COVID recruit in 2020. Uh, he's been in college for four years, but he also has two more years of eligibility. So, um, you know, if he wants to start somewhere, it's, it's going to have to be somewhere else. And the sooner you hop into the portal to find out where that's going to be, the better chances you have of getting those offers and figuring out where you're going to go. So um, we'll see if anyone else joins him this week and, then we'll see what really happens on the 4th of December when the floodgates open. Yeah, so that's uh and and just keep an eye because Jackson is going to he's going to start putting together a comprehensive coverage of the transfer portal, uh what players Fresno State is looking at, all of that stuff. That's all going to be going up uh, uh on the premium board. Um he does he, he does a, an amazing job when it comes to uh, kind of keeping you up to date with all the latest targets. And, and he will be doing the same for any other recruiting spots that may be uh, essential to the Bulldogs, whether it be the portal or outside the portal. There'll be more information there uh, for you to check out. So uh, if you haven't done so already, BarkBoard.com, that's where you want to go. Get your premium subscription for that information. So, uh, but I just saw something that caught my eye on oh, my computer. Oh, I was, I was looking at your face. <laughs> I, I was looking at your face and I was like, uh Oh, he's got Josh something. Kelly has entered the portal, Washington state wide receiver, <laughs> who we all know was at Fresno state for quite some time. So, so. he may have an opportunity to come back to Fresno again. So, uh, it, it, you know, he went and checked out the, the, the grass and found out that it wasn't greener <laughs> over there. Uh, so we'll see what happens if he decides to make a, a, a second go around it 
at Fresno State. So that is breaking news uh, <laughs> as far as the podcast is concerned. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that stuff. And of course, um, you know, Jackson, this last game, it really. You know, it's a, it's a hard one to swallow, especially against San Diego State, who, again, was not favored to win. Um, third week in a row where the Bulldogs, uh, well, actually, San Jose State, they started favored and then <laughs> ended up losing that one. Um, but uh, right now, it's it's not really feeling good for, for the Bulldogs mentally, and but... How are the coaches doing? Because I know they're all trying to say the same thing. They're all trying to say the right thing. But from your from your perspective and, and seeing how they're handling themselves, they've got to be concerned, right? Yeah, I mean, Tedford kind of felt like, I mean, after the game, he just said, you know what, we're an 8-4 and four team. <laughs> kind of uh, accepted the reality of the situation, I think. Um, and then he did kind of point the finger a little bit at the at the injury bug. He said it said it hit him at the wrong time. So again, I can see some of it explains some of the issues schematically. It doesn't explain quite everything that's been going on here the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think from a coordinator perspective, if you're Pat McCann and your best lineman at left tackle is out, and you then again you lose your best interior lineman early in the game at San Diego State you're probably pretty limited in what you can call, what you feel comfortable with, whether it is running behind those guys or what you're going to call for Mikey and expect him to be protected well enough. I think if you're Kevin Coyle, the interesting thing about Coyle in this game at San Diego State was that he actually called the game from the sideline, which is not something he usually does. And I felt like he concocted a pretty expansive game plan. Uh, I'm not sure how much it reflects on TV, but watching right there on the sideline, I mean, there was like six defenders coming in and coming out between a given play. They had a whole different package for short yarded situations. They ran some three four, uh, as well as some four three and four two five. And they just threw a lot at San Diego State. Really, um, I don't know if it did any good <laughs> really in the long run. I think that short yardage group came up short quite a bit. They got burned on the seventy yard touchdown run where the quarterback bootlegged outside, um, but. They also, when they really struggled, was at the end of the game when they had been on the field for 40 minutes, for crying out loud. I mean, the guys are gassed. You can only call so many plays to stop short runs, and San Diego State was doing just enough to get three or four at a time. Um, And then you compound that with last week. They also played 40 minutes of possession on defense against the Lobos. So that defense, which was already injured and banged up, played about three games worth of uh, minutes in the last two weeks. So um, it, it's hard to blame them too much. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to find some way to rally that team and get over the hump because even as poorly as they were playing, I mean, they had control for about a half or at least were in it. And it felt like you know, if they could just get that player or two to turn the tide, that they could have won that game. And, you know, no turnovers or no takeaways, at least. Defense didn't produce any of those. The offense had a lot of short three and outs and punted the ball in a couple of third and shorts when maybe they could have gone for it. So um, I think I, I would say I think the coaches feel pretty hamstrung, but there may have been some ways they could have alleviated this situation as well. I think they're kind of grasping at straws at the moment, <laughs> just trying to figure out what to do that they haven't tried already. And the problem is, 
they pretty much tried everything at this point <laughs> to try and get things going. Um, other than uh, changing out a bunch of the personnel, which uh, honestly they can't do right now because there's a lot of injuries going on anyways. Um, they are, uh, they're stuck with what they have. They just need to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and so uh, the coaching staff is, is going to take these because we, we don't know how long it's going to be until their next bowl game. I mean, it could be, could be a week and a half, could be three weeks, uh, depending on where, which bowl they go to. Right, Jackson? Yeah. So the first bowl games will be December 16th and that's where most of them are that Fresno state could be in, but one of them that's very possible is the Arizona bowl. That's December 30th. So you got a wide gap of where this game could be played. Yeah, so that's going to that's going to determine what they're going to be able to do. Once they have that bowl game uh tied down, they're they'll be able to reassess and and evaluate uh just what players are going to be available so that they can start uh game planning uh a, a, a plan for the the bowl game. But the problem the problem's going to be they got to figure out who they're playing. They got to figure out what bowl they're in and then they got to figure out which players are coming back <laughs> and uh which players are leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the toughest part is the leaving part because <laughs> last year you had the Bulldogs in a conference championship game, and then the bowl game was like two weeks from there. So everyone was pretty much bought in and on board. They wanted to be in that L.A. Bowl. But if you remember, Washington State, who they played against, had a lot of players already gone before the bowl game. And that's just the way the system is set up now is that if you don't intend on coming back, you need to hit the portal as soon as possible so that you can get your offers and figure out where you're going to go next. If you wait till after your bowl game, signing day may have already passed or be close to it, and then you're in the next wave of recruits that can't sign till February. Maybe you can't early enroll. So that's one <laughs> thing I think they need to change is is at least the date of the transfer portal till after the bowl games, mm-hmm. um, because this really it really screws up teams um, because these players are leaving prior to their bowl game. They really they really just need to do it. I, I don't know. Let's make it January 15th. <laughs> I mean, something that's already after all the bowl games. That will be the deadline. That's when they should transfer. But because they have it December 4th, it, it almost obligates these players that are already like, yeah, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I'm gone. Uh, and then that just hurts the rest of the team going into a bowl game. And that's just, I, I don't know. That's one thing I wish they would change, Jackson. What, what are your yeah, thoughts on that? I, me as well. But the hard part is, you know, if you're, going to go to another school, you, the season's over. You want to go to a new school, so you want to get there for the next semester, right? And so if the portal is, doesn't open until after the national championship game, per se, there's no time for you to find your next school and enroll for that semester. So then you're stuck at your school till June, and mm. then <laughs> you don't get to, you know, then you're at your new place. You don't. You know, it's a big deal to get there for spring and kind of learn the playbook and go through that. So that's yeah. where it becomes tricky. It's like that that's the reason why it's put there, you know, so you can get in the portal and sign in December and then get to your new school for the next semester, but it totally wrecks the bowl setup and it's not a good situation at all when it comes to that. Yeah. It, it, they may they may have just have to change when football season starts <laughs> that would be ideal right uh, let's make the let's let's start football a little earlier uh i wouldn't complain about that one uh but uh but yeah it's uh it's definitely going to be a problem it's going to be an ongoing problem uh for years to come unless they can start 
tightening up some of the transfer portal regulations, uh, making it harder for players to transfer. Because um, I, I believe if they made it harder, a lot of these guys wouldn't be leaving the way they're leaving. Uh, I mean, they would stay put. Uh, but they've got to find a way to kind of penalize some of these guys who are, who are leaving just because they want to leave. Uh, not because academically or because they, uh, they're they a graduate, but just the plain fact that they just want to leave, uh, they're able to do it with no restrictions. Now, I thought at one point they used to be able to leave when a coaching staff changed. It, now it seems like they can leave for any reason. <laughs> so that that's not right. That, that Some of that should be tightened up a little bit, uh, make things easier, make uh, for a better product during bowl season because let's face it it does affect the bowls and if you start affecting the bowls you start affecting the popularity of the bowls you start affecting the tv money you get where i'm going with this football starts going in the wrong direction and then we don't have the type of product that the tv programs want to pay spend money on uh, at least not for the bowl games and then what's going to happen we're not going to have any bowl games (laughs) So, so there's, it's a catch 22. They kind of need to kind of balance this out a little bit, or are we going to start having major issues in the near future? Um, now Jackson, uh, that being said, uh, I know we've been kind of touching upon a little bit about the transfer portal and, and, uh, players and stuff. What does this mean for Fresno state? I know we've got five who's, who's going to be leaving. That has been confirmed. What else is going on for Fresno state? Yeah, so far there hasn't been any other known movement from what I'm hearing. There's been a little bit more, not too much to be concerned about, but some stuff that should become public, I would think, um, in the near future. Um, Some stuff we've hinted at on the premium board. There's some more information there. And then, again, the floodgates open on December 4th, so it's anyone's guess what's going to happen at that point uh, because, I mean, even if you are thinking about leaving the team on the 4th, you're going to go to practice this week. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to tip your hat or maybe you'll have those discussions with coaches or something at least. So yeah, you're just going to show up and then on the fourth, you're going to go, yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. So that's still kind of up in the air, um, how that's going to turn out. But as far as anyone with a degree, um, again, Fife's the only one that's exited publicly so far. Um, it does mean Fresno state gets this week to see who does enter the portal early and assess who's a, a good fit and who they should pursue um, they've got one offer out to an offensive lineman, as I mentioned, um, out of New Mexico, DJ Wingfield, um, the California native. So there's some ties there. We'll see if the Bulldogs can pull that one off. He's got like 15 offers already. So again, <laughs> that's how aggressive the market is going to be for guys like that. Um, but I, it's too bad. We can just get you like, say we go to the transfer portal, We find a player. We say, Hey, we want you to come play. Great. They're here the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't they just do that? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, this transfer portal is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that they're going to be going after those linemen and the defensive linemen uh, going into this portal. Uh, I know there's been quite a few linemen that have been entering it. I've been watching some of your posts. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, quite a few could be possible targets. Uh, do we see them start extending quite a few offers to in that position because it seems like it's going to be a, a one that's sorely needed. Yeah, I think so. And usually, you know, Fresno state doesn't necessarily scatter a bunch of offers out there. You know, they'll put one out. They're and, very strategic. Yeah. They'll see, does this one work out or did we miss this guy? Then they'll go to the next one. And so, um, 
depending on how many spots they have, you know, if they want three transfer linemen, then maybe they'll shoot a bunch out there. But if there's just one or two spots, they'll be a little more strategic. Um, again, they're also a school that we've seen will rely on the junior college market as well. They've got a defensive end they've gotten offered recently uh, from the junior college ranks, as well as a wide receiver, a slot receiver. This team is losing Eric Brooks and Jalen Gill, both of their top two slot receivers. So that's going to be another big point of need for the Bulldogs. Um, so we'll keep an eye both on the junior college market and on the transfer portal market. And um, yeah, it's just, a, it's a, a strange spot where you still have a game to play, but it's like the off season as well. You know, I mean, this is critical timing to find your next players for 2024, but 2023 team still has a game to play. So that's a, another weird balancing act with all of this here. And, you know, Coach Tedford, he's an old school kind of guy. He's not going to be wanting to have the focus be on next offseason with the bowl game still to play. Um, he's a guy that in 2019, when the season was done for and there was nothing to play for, still wanted all of his seniors to play in the last couple of games and not instead invest in younger players because he thought it wasn't fair to the seniors to do that to them. So, uh, we'll be interesting to see how Tedford in particular uh, views this kind of intermediate time between the end of 23 and the start to 24. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, he's going to have to start giving some of these younger guys some reps. I mean, you, I've been a little surprised that he hasn't given some uh, younger guys more opportunity um, with the ability to still redshirt um, in the last few weeks. I, I thought that. You know, he could have used some of the younger guys a little more, especially when they're losing the game. Get them in there, get them some reps, and get them going. Um, but it didn't seem like much of that was happening, was there, Jackson? Um, I mean, only on kickoff coverage and special teams kind of stuff was about it. Um, if you miss Brandon Ramirez, it's because he was wearing number 96 on <laughs> kickoff coverage. They had 231s on the kickoff team. So he got a little bit of action, um, but no, nothing on offense. Um, quite a few freshmen have been on that some of the special teams units, but not on the actual offense and defense. So, you know, we'll see if the bowl game changes any of that or if maybe they're missing some of their usual suspects in the lineup and some of those guys are called in the action. The other thing, I this is actually a recent situation, is that the bowl game doesn't count for the full four games for your redshirt year either. So, uh, technically you can play five games and still redshirt if one of them's the bowl game. So everyone's eligible to play here and there's no reason why though anyone would be held out for uh, redshirt eligibility. Yeah. That's going to be uh, interesting to see if he uses some of these players to, to just try and get them some experience. Um, even, it, even if it means if, if you can tell that the team has kind of given up, you might as well try something new. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be an opportunity for for him to throw some of these younger guys in now um on the flip side of things outside of the transfer portal are there still open spots recruiting wise that the bulldogs can go after i mean on paper there's not many openings but that's going to change very quickly with the portal <laughs> yeah as uh, soon as some players leave there's going to be some open yeah. spots well, we were looking at it was about 14 super seniors that are out of here this season that have no more eligibility and 11 commitments in the class. So, I mean, you factor in a couple walk-ons and you don't have much room left after that. But, uh, I mean, it's not, again, to say that a bunch of star players are going to leave or you're going to have this massive attrition. It's just every year at Fresno State and everywhere else, 
you're going to have about 10 to 15 guys, probably guys that don't play much or are not in the rotation or looking for playing time elsewhere are going to hit the portal and go look for other options. So um, I would expect by the time it's all said and done, the Bulldogs are going to have double digit commitments between the portal and between junior college between now and June uh, when they, this cycle wraps up for good. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll start switching gears on, on uh, recruiting coverage because there's going to be plenty of them that we're going to sign in December, but then there's still the second uh, signing period right before the season begins again. Um, and that's in February, I believe. Um, and whatever the Bulldogs aren't able to pick up here in December, they'll, uh, roll that over into February. And by then we'll know if even more players have left. Uh, and, uh, and if that is the case, then Fresno state will extend a few more offers out and try and fill those holes. Uh, so, um, or they may even give walking papers to some of the players. <laughs> what do you think about that one, Jackson? They, you know, they're just not a fit. They say, you know what, go find somewhere else to play. Yeah. And to represent Coach Tedford fairly, because that is something that goes on, but it's of the nature of, you know, hey, there's not a viable path for you to have much playing time here, and if that's what you want to do, then you need to look somewhere else kind of thing. And so, you know, again, you're going to see a lot of that happen, um, but that's another thing where I can't see Tedford having that discussion with players right now. I would think it would be after the bowl game, which – while it's respectful to them is tough for the timing of getting into the portal. If you're going to wait till after the bowl game again. So um, it's a, it's a tricky spot. And uh, I think that's how he's going to handle it here. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, definitely going to be uh, a very sticky situation for coach Tedford uh, when it comes to that. But, uh, but we'll see Um, now switching gears mountain West conference title. Uh, it has been confirmed. It is now going to be uh, held in Las Vegas. UNLV will host and none other than Boise State. Yeah, Jackson, I'm about ready to go hang myself at this point. <laughs> We've got Boise State in another championship game and a little controversy happened there because it went to the computer rankings. How far off were the computer rankings between Boise and San Jose? Yeah, and the part that makes it controversial is that on Saturday, San Jose state beat UNLV 37, 31. Right. And it was not as close as, I mean, it was 37 to 17 in the fourth quarter at one point. So, I mean, it felt like the Spartans have won six in a row or seven or yeah, six in a row. They're hot. Uh, there seems like right now they're the best team in the conference and yet they're not going to play for a conference championship while, I mean, the optics are poor. It is fair in the sense that there's a system in place, and they lost two games earlier in the season that count just as much as the last few, and that's what the computer spit out. But then it gets controversial again because they were only four spots behind Boise State in the computer rankings that were used. I saw the American Athletic Conference, the way they do a tiebreaker, has three of the same computers the Mountain West use and a different one as the fourth computer, if they Mountain West would have used that computer instead of the one they did use, San Jose State jumps Boise State because of the way that computer spits things out. So that's frustrating. Then you've also got the situation where San Jose State had to play both UNLV and Boise State and do it on the road where Boise State and UNLV didn't even play each other. So 
the schedules were also uneven. The computer rankings are a little bit fishy just because it counts non-conference play as well. Uh, it's just a frustrating situation all the way around, uh, especially if you're a San Jose State fan and all this. But um, it, it ends up being UNLV versus Boise State, and that's just the way that this setup is going to be unless you have two teams that totally distance themselves from the pack. Yeah, it's uh, it's – one thing that I kind of wish that they would be a little more transparent is they, at the beginning of the season, identify which computer rankings they're going to use <laughs> because it's a little fishy to me. You know, yeah. you start using computer rankings. Who's to say they didn't pick and choose which computer they wanted to use in order to get a certain team in? <laughs> they confirmed them in around <laughs> early November. Um, which computers were going to be. Yeah, so I'm assuming that's going to be the computers for now on, but it it would have been nice if they came out back in September when they announced the tiebreakers and said which computers they were. Instead, some reporters had to dig up and get an answer for what they were <laughs> actually going to be. You see where that controversy yeah. can come in. Yeah, <laughs> You're not very, being very fully transparent. I mean, who's to say they didn't say, you know, this is the computers we're going to use, but this one tends to favor a certain team. So we're going to use this computer as well to make sure that happens. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's all, it's all relative. Uh, you can, you can spin it. You can, you can think of what you want from it, but, uh, uh, needless to say, Boise got in San Jose is out. So right now we're looking at a game in Las Vegas, uh, which will favor, uh, UNLV. It's going to be a great atmosphere, uh, to have a championship game in, um, because, uh, let's face it. It's Las Vegas, right? Jackson, they always put on a show while we're there. <laughs> so this is going to be it's going to be a fun one to watch um right now uh, i hate saying it I, i'm i don't want to root for boise i'm not rooting for boise it's going to be unlv and that's who i'm rooting for yeah, i mean it can't be boise it cannot be Boise. you know i'm i'm not i'm usually fair and i respect what they do over there but Jackson it's wants gonna, a very fine line, so this is hard for him. It's going to be so painful for the Red Wave if Boise State, with a fired head coach, with an injured quarterback, limps into the conference championship game and still wins. I mean, who wins a conference championship in the same year you fire your coach in November? It, it can't be Boise. <laughs> yeah, it, can, it cannot be Boise. Uh, it's uh, It would really kill me to see that happen. Um, but, um, yeah, it, Mountain West coverage, this is going to be, this is going to, uh, help identify which bowl game Fresno State's going to go to. Hopefully I don't, I, I don't know, Jackson, do, are we going to have to wait until this happens before they figure out where Fresno is going to land? I presumed we would not get answers till Sunday, but with San Jose State accepting a bid, maybe some more get announced from the Mountain West. Um, but I would still kind of expect Sunday to be the day um, because while we know the Mountain West champion is getting to the L.A. Bowl, uh, what's going to happen to the team that loses that championship game? Are they going to be in one of these other bowls that Fresno State's being considered for? Or are they going to make an effort to get that team somewhere else? There could be some bowl trading there's um, at-large bull bids as well that any of the Mountain West schools could end up to. So uh, it's a complicated spot, but it does appear that they let San Jose State have first pick given everything that went on with the Spartans in the last week. Yeah, uh, it's uh, 
I'm just hoping to decide soon so that you and I can decide whether or not we're going <laughs> to a bowl game. <laughs> I'm just a little a little perturbed by this whole thing right now. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Fresno's gonna uh, Fresno still has a bowl game now. We do know it's going to be on the mainland somewhere, so that'll be easier for you and I to kind of plan things out a little bit better. Uh, so once we get news of that, we will get that all squared away for you folks. And, uh, as soon as we know, you'll know, uh, because Jackson will post it right away on the website. Uh, so, uh, right now we're, we're still playing a wait and see, uh, things could change from now until the end of the, uh, from now until Saturday or now until Sunday, because today is actually Thursday. So what we've got three days to wait. <laughs> Yeah, you know, actually, the Mountain West game, championship game, so early, it's like noon, maybe even Saturday night, some stuff starts coming out. I'm pretty sure we'll probably know by Saturday (laughs) night then. Um, But um, typically, they like to do uh, the last game of the season, they start handing out bowl bids. That's how they used to do it in the past. But ever since they started doing uh, the championship game, they kind of wait till the after the championship game to kind of hand out bowl games because the Mountain West will like to put their best foot forward and put the teams in places where they think would be a better fit. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but um, moving forward to Jackson, um, this one, uh, you know, this is, we're getting pretty close to wrapping up uh, the football season, but we can't completely shut the door on it yet. We got the bowl game, but that also brings into consideration the news that is happening with conference realignment with the back well, let's call it the Pac-2, um, and their stance with the Mountain West, there's been some news that has been happening here, and what are the likely scenarios that are going to be happening with the Mountain West and the Pac-2? Yeah, um, good timing, because I've got a lengthy post on the VIP board about what has been going on, what is going on, and what the long-term outlook of all this looks like, but um, the public portion of it, which has now been widely reported, is that the Mountain West is likely going to change its conference scheduling model for the next two seasons to accommodate Oregon State and Washington State. There's projected to be seven conference games instead of eight, and then everyone will play one of Oregon State or Washington State instead of that eighth conference game, which will not count towards the conference standings, nor will Oregon State or Washington State be in the Mountain West standings. It'll just be kind of included in the eight games that you play as a Mountain West team. And in return, uh, the Mountain West is supposed to get like $14 million out of that. So um, the conference isn't just bending backwards to make something happen for these two schools. They're going to get something out of it as well. So um, in all likelihood, you know, it's not official and it hasn't been confirmed at this point, but it would appear likely that one of Fresno State's 2024 Mountain West games will disappear from the schedule and they'll instead play... Or Washington State, home or away, you know, don't know. Um, and then 2025, the Bulldogs already have Oregon State on the schedule as a road game. So we'll see if Washington State gets added in addition to that or if nothing changes to that schedule, there's still some kinks to be worked out with that kind of stuff. So we're going to see a modification to next year's season then, uh, to next year's uh, schedule, right? So either Washington or Oregon State's going to be added to our schedule next season. 
where it's going to land is going to be a different story. I'd love to have Oregon State back here again so that, <laughs> you know, we can get another crack at them again. Uh, but uh, but if it's an away game, that's, uh, you know, that's that's fair as well because uh, right now the, the Pac-2 control a lot. But what does that mean moving forward after next season is the more likelihood the, 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 the Pac-2 and the Mountain West going to combine forces and be, uh, make themselves into either a conference or a super conference uh, if they really want to do something. Yeah, so the Pac-2, as currently stands, has the rights to the Pac-12 conference and all the money for two more years. They're allowed to exist as two teams for two seasons until they're forced to be in a real conference, basically. So um, that puts the target date at 2026, and that will kind of be the deciding point if there's just going to be a simple merger or or Oregon State and Washington State going to try to build something new. And um, considering that the Mountain West buyouts will be expired by that season, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have plans of not taking all 12 Mountain West schools if they can create some sort of conference with eight or ten teams that uh, is more financially stable. I, I imagine that's the way that they're going to approach that. Yeah, and, and that's going to be um, it's going to be interesting as to which teams, uh, if they decide to leave out some teams from the Mountain West, which teams are going to get picked off. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk that maybe Hawaii is going to get left out of the mix because they're kind of the oddball team that doesn't have a team in all sports. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they look at stadium sizes and are they able to get butts and seats? Uh, that's another factor. Um, is, is that going to be a lot of things that they're going to be considering if they do join forces into a, into a, a conference where they have to leave a couple of teams out? Yeah. And TV markets as well. That's going to be a big one. Um, if they do have to make some sort of cut or decide, um, it'll be interesting to see if they look towards the central time zone, which would be, Probably that's the one way you feel if you're the Mountain West it would be a bit of stab in the back as if you're making these concessions and then they add other teams instead of your own. I mean, that's a, I feel like that's almost even worse than leaving out some of the conference. But, um, yeah, still a lot to be figured out there. And, you know, some teams may look a lot more attractive in two years than they do now, and some teams may look less attractive based off how their seasons go. So, uh, it's a critical time to be a, a competent football program right now in the next two years. Yeah, so this is going to play a key factor moving on here in the future. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, if there's any movement when it comes to conference realignment, because let's face it, the other conferences may not be done yet. Um, although I think they're starting to hit a, a, a roadblock when it comes to money wise, I, I don't think they can get squeeze another dime out of these networks. <laughs> so they're starting to slow down on adding more teams to their conferences as the uh, networks are starting to say, Hey, hold on, buddy. I don't have any more money for you. You've already turned my pockets inside out. There's no more loose change. So, so that's going to be, um, that's going to be uh, interesting to see as to what happens. So, yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, we're going to start switching gears, Jackson, and uh, let's get a little bit of a basketball update for <laughs> take that with a grain of salt as to whatever the basketball program is able to provide at the moment. Uh, hasn't been pretty, but what what's what's the scoop for the basketball team? Yeah, you know, I felt maybe last week we were a little bit harsh, or the week before that, I forget, <laughs> about what this basketball team might be this season. But, 
you know, being at the Save Mart Center earlier this week for what was supposed to be the biggest non-conference game of the year versus UC Santa Barbara. And, I mean, the team's coming out of the tunnel, and there's no more than about 300 people in the stands. I mean, it was 6 o'clock p.m., so it was more of a late-arriving crowd. There was a lot more people in that by the time it got going. But, I mean, it was still very empty and um, very evident that there's not a great pulse on the Valley right now with what the basketball team's doing. And then the fact that they lose the game in a very familiar fashion, shooting 7 of 31 from three-point range, which included a 3 of 23 stretch inside of there, which is something they did a lot last year. And I made this comment on this podcast just a couple of weeks ago after seeing Xavier Ducell, the Wyoming transfer, have a good start to the season saying, there's no way this team can do three of 26 again like they did last year with this guy on the team because he's so good. And uh, he was, I believe, 0 for 6 from three-point range in this game. Isaiah Pope, another key transfer who's got a good three-point shot, uh, was just one of seven. Um, so <laughs> this that game looked exactly like the way the Bulldogs have lost the games last year, but I think it's fair to not write off those two players because they are – traditionally or historically very good three-point shooters and you hope it was just a bad night i can't foresee them putting many one of 13 games together between the two of them uh while when you look at last year when they went three of 26 it was like yeah these are the same guys that always do this (laughs) none of no there's not very many good three-point shooters on that team last year and that was going to happen if you shot 25 three-pointers a lot of the time but these guys haven't been here very long and Hopefully that was an anomaly, and they're going to need it to be any good this year. Uh, They go to number 19 BYU Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That game's going to be on ESPN+. And considering they got demolished, uh, the Bulldogs did by James Madison, the other ranked team they faced, don't have a lot of high hopes for that game. Um, But then uh, you hope they kind of get things together in the rest of December. They're going to have an easier home slate. They've got teams like Idaho State, Pacific, Cal State Bakersfield, Portland State all come into town. So that's got to be the stretch where this team's got to settle in and form more of an identity and get comfortable playing together on the court. Yeah, it's going to um, – hopefully they'll be able to at least put a, a decent product on on the court uh, uh, this season to help uh, – I mean, if anything, help the recruiting uh, aspect of things. Um, as far as the coaching is concerned, Jackson – uh, I know there's been lots of talks that this is his last year as head coach. Uh, chances are he may not be asked to come back. Right, Jackson? Yeah. And um, it, again, this is not a situation where he's going to be fired for any reason, but his contract is at the end of the year. So it's time to decide, do they want to give him a new contract or is it time to go get someone else? And Given the way that things have gone the last couple of years, uh, it's hard to justify a, a new contract going to Coach Hudson unless something happens here the rest of the season and they go on a run. I mean, unless they, they win 20 games in yeah, a row, if they, they get hot or if they win the Mountain West tournament and go to the big dance, I guess it would be tough to tell him to <laughs> go away. But I mean, other than that, I think there's a large enough sample size to decide that there's probably a different direction. And if nothing else, I mean, again, I put out a tweet with pictures of the seats and the uh, concessions and the absence of people in both of those areas. And there's, I mean, a pretty good sense around the community that, I mean, 
there's just not much interest in this team right now, and they got to do something about it. I mean, it's bad when you only have one concession stand open. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something wrong. Uh, so, uh, but uh, that's that's definitely going to be something that the Bulldogs are going to have to take a look at. Uh, really take a good look in the mirror and figure out if Hudson is going to be the the fit moving forward. Uh, my gut tells me that uh, after this season, they will cut ties with him. But then the coaching um, the coaching search begins, Jackson, and that's going to be the interesting point. If they do end up going for uh, looking for another coach, do they hire an outside firm like they've done in the past? Track record hasn't been all that great. <laughs> so, or do they kind of, try and do something on their own without having uh, a company do the search for them. It's a, there's a lot of different var- uh, variables going into this one, but one thing is for sure. They need to raise this pro basketball programs profile uh, because the, the football program cannot sustain the athletic department alone. Can it? No. And basketball is a big one and baseball and softball have traditionally been big ones. And it's been uh, kind of a, a down point in the last few years with those two programs. So, I mean, you got to get that together. Big kudos to the women's volleyball team for winning the Mountain <laughs> West tournament. I yep. Mean, First one ever. Yeah. I mean, this is a program that I believe they had one conference win last year under an interim head coach. So, I mean, they've changed things around with one season. That is a heck of a job. Um, exciting to see that. And, uh, I mean, that's a program that just uh, has not had much success for like a good decade. I remember covering them and – when I was in college in the collegian and there was not much to get excited about back then. And uh, I don't remember ever really having much to be excited about up until here. So I don't know. Jackson. See. They're going to be in the, the, their reward is playing number one Stanford, I believe in the first <laughs> round of the NCAA tournament. Oh, so. Here's your reward. <laughs> I don't know. Jackson, should we, should we drop basketball and go cover volleyball? Uh, well, it made me think just to, to be candid, being there at that basketball game, remembering how many people would show up for wrestling and it's not even here anymore. <laughs> yeah. And much larger crowds I saw at wrestling matches than that UCSB basketball game. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's kind of scary. Um, at one point they, uh, when the basketball games were at Selland arena, you couldn't buy a seat there. Um, I mean, it was crowded. Uh, now you come over to, uh, to the save Mart center and the basketball program for, I, I want to say for the, last 10 years have not has not been all that stellar um and they've really lost a a huge part of their fan base um and they're going to struggle to try and get that back unless they start um, putting together a few winning seasons um that's going to be the key right jackson yeah and it's it's tough because it's definitely not been the same since the dark years or anything like that but there were times during Coach Terry's era where some crowds came out and there was some momentum. They made one NCAA tournament, and even Coach Hudson has had two good years out of his five so far. But, I mean, just seeing what I saw at the most recent home game, uh, it feels like a lot of people are checked out, that there's not a lot of positive momentum or a reason to rally right now. So usually the crowds get bigger for conference play, but it does feel like – even the momentum they have had at times in the last 10 years has also kind of dissipated with the last year or two. Uh, and, and COVID didn't help either. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's been a, a hard sell since COVID uh, for basketball. Uh, people were excited to get back for football, but basketball, they really were not all that excited about coming back for yet. So it's going to be, it's going to be one of those where it's going to be kind of touch and go, but 
one thing's for sure. Uh, uh, we will have coverage of the basketball uh, games and, and the, the basketball team moving forward. And we may even sprinkle in a few things about other uh, sports here and there uh, as we start looking around. But but that being said, Jackson, um, we're going to start wrapping this one up. Any final thoughts? Well, in the last conversation or so, we've had breaking news of two more Fresno State players hitting the portal. So oh, here we go. That's on the VIP board now. <laughs> and so um, if you want to become a VIP member and uh, be the first in the know for that kind of stuff, and get our VIP content as well. That only goes there. It's just a dollar again for your first month to try it out. Um, news is going to be breaking left and right here with portal and recruiting, signing day, bowl game, everything going on right now. So uh, if you got a dollar in your pocket, it's a good <laughs> good way to use it, I'd say, if you've got any interest in Bulldog football. Yeah, spend that dollar on the, on the bark board and uh, and. Well, honestly, you can't spend it anywhere else. It's, you know, everything costs more than a dollar <laughs> these days. So, a good, why don't why don't you just spend it on the bark board at this point? Uh, but uh, that being said, if you want all the latest news and coverage, head over to the bark board. If you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Um, you can also head over to the Facebook uh, Eight Thousand Strong. Are are living there on our face, Facebook page? Just do a search for. Uh, thebarkboard.com and uh, as always head over to the barkboard where you we have both free and premium subscriptions but let's face it uh, premium is where you want to be that's where you're going to get all the latest breaking news that jackson is reporting that doesn't get reported to the general public right away so i want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics